welcome to the Laugh Support Podcast with your hosts, Michelle Van Dusen and June Colson, a couple of clean comedians here to support each other and others through comedy's wacky and winding roads. They'll talk about highs and lows and some traumatizing shows. So get ready, get set, let's go! All right, (laughs) welcome to the Lab Support Podcast, brought to you by the Hot Breath Comedy Network. I am your host, June Coulson, here with uh, my little friend, Michelle (laughs) 1L Van Dusen. You snuck that up on me. You were like, and okay, go. I was like, wait, what what, what are we doing? What are we doing? Well, last time I started it and it didn't start. figure out why it wasn't working and then this time it just went way too fast so man um, well it says get ready get set let's go you weren't kidding you weren't kidding michelle so uh so just before we went on um i I found out that you know you've taken up exercising tell me about that (laughs) what are you doing what are you doing you just have to know that michelle is um she's pretty (laughs) anti-exercise She's she's not a big fan, and then suddenly she tells me she's been working out. So, so what was happening? Um, well, I'm not anti-exercise. I just um, choose not to operate in that mode in my life. Um, no, I was outside letting the dog in or out. I don't know. She's old, and she takes forever to go through the door, and um, so I was closing it. And as I closed it, a spider landed on me, and it wasn't oh, just one of those typical tiny little daddy long leg spider, no big deal. No, this was like a fuzzy, furry, jumping spider. And I don't know if it was already on my head, then went onto my hand. I don't know. But I I did some dance moves and Mm. things I haven't done since college. Um, Please please tell me you have the ring doorbell camera. That would be fantastic. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No. No. Um, So this is is on our back porch that my husband just screened in just a few days ago. And so we're we're also still trying to get any of the bugs that are inside out still. And so this little bugger, he he was inside. And I'm hoping that I actually, I think um, he's not living anymore, but I'm not 100% sure because I'm not really sure where he went. I feel like though, like a regular size spider on you because you're so tiny. Like the itsy bitsy spider would look like a tarantula. So it could have been, you know, it could have been. We do have those down here. We do have tarantulas. You really? Yeah, yeah. I personally have not met one, but this guy was fuzzy. He was very hairy. So. So that's um, reason number 45 when you say, when you come into Oklahoma, we can <laughs> add that to the list, the tornadoes and the temperature and and now the uh, now the tarantulas. I don't want anything to oh, yeah. do with Yeah, that. no, no, we don't have any of those things here. I think tornadoes uh, actually go to Kentucky now and I oh, think tarantulas okay. are okay. migrating over there. Yeah, there's mm. there's nothing. You can you can totally visit. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Well, well listen, speaking of visitors, we got a super cool visitor on the podcast today, don't we? I'm so yes, excited. Michelle do. Van Dusen wanted to tell the listeners who's joining us today. All right. So today we have um, Robert G. Lee. And Robert so he's- Robert G. Lee! Yes. Okay, okay, know, right? The Robert G. Lee. Mm-hmm. Like it's, oh, I wanted him since day one, but you're like, no, no, we have to wait for the right moment. Well, we and had so- to figure out what we were doing first. I didn't want to embarrass oh. myself in front of Ro- the Robert G. Lee. Okay. So, you, okay. You've, continue. You've done continue. comedy. Oh, um, so- <laughs> <laughs> Too late. Okay, I got a show so- with him. 
<laughs> so Robert, he's been in the stand-up game for over 30 years, and, and he continues. He's a warm-up comic in Hollywood like for their sitcoms. Uh, he wrote for Veggie Tales. Um, right. He wrote and directed this uh, this this uh, low-budgeted film, which I was watching today, actually. Can I get a witness protection? I love that Seen film. Seen it? Yep, yep. Yeah. My mom, um, oh my gosh, she she loves that film. Oh my gosh. Keep right? going. It is so good. Okay. And then, um, so Robert, he's he's heard like a thousand times a month on Cyrus Radio. Serious? Serious. Serious Radio. Serious, see, serious I, Michelle. I've never, well, I don't have the money to have serious radio. I have like, oh, low budget, you know, does it tune it's in? It's not that serious, huh? Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, it's not serious yeah. at all. Okay, let's get serious. Let's get <laughs> oh, this guy in okay, here. Wait, wait. And, and listen, he just released his very first book, What's <gasps> the Big Idea? Yes. Right? Yep. So, woohoo. I've read it. So, I've read yep. it. So let's welcome all the way from California, Robert G. Lee. Woo! Hey, hello, 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 hello. There he is. There he is. <laughs> welcome to the show, Robert G. Lee. Oh my gosh, so many, uh, so many credentials. We could have done the, you know, just the whole thing, just reading about all the fantastic things that you've mean done. Nothing. They mean absolutely <laughs> nothing. You're only as fun as your last gig. So thank oh. you. I appreciate the Wow. Wow. Well, I'm in big trouble because. Uh, you know, my last gig was um, there were 10 people in somebody's living room and we were just eating cheeseburgers. So, <laughs> so that's, that's where I'm family at. reunion. That's exactly where my career is. So we're good. <laughs> we're doing it. We're doing it. Oh man. So welcome to Laugh Support, Robert. Um, uh, it's a, you know, basically a podcast where we, we kind of talk to people about who's been their laugh support. Um, we, we, we try to go way back and think about, you know, the beginning of, your career when you began doing comedy and, and, you know, we wondered if you, as you think about that, is there anybody that comes to mind that potentially was uh, supportive to you as you began your journey? Well, no, it's a very good question. And uh, I, I may have intimated earlier that uh, the answer is no one. There, there are, there are a few. Oh, I froze. Oh, there I am. Um, <laughs> nope. I'm, I'm periodically freezing. Gosh, we darn. can, we can hear you. Yeah, so sure. is that all we care about? Well, all right, I will. I will continue with this, regardless <laughs> of freezing. Um, to answer your question, I'll speak slowly, so when I freeze, okay. it won't matter. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Slow motion. I, I have to. Give, I have to give hands down to my wife. My wife has always supported me uh, through thick mm. and thin, and uh, and I can't really understand why. Uh, she's always mm. been very. She got a little freaked out when I started taking an acting class. She goes, acting, I thought you were doing comedy. And so it was like a switch for her, but that was early on. But I don't know, it's just to prepare because you have to use all your skills, I think, when you're on stage. Uh, so it was a very lonely profession. I was in clubs, nobody cared about me, and I was just emceeing. And I had, uh, the owner was nice and uh, some nice people, but and I got some comedy friends, but no, not not really anybody. And it wasn't until Paul Aldrich, uh, who's a mm. singer comedian, I was performing at a church opening for Donna Summer, and he basically came up and asked me for a date. He says, um, I, I'd like to go out to lunch with you. And so that started probably a 30-year friendship with Paul Aldrich. He's my oldest uh, friend in the comedy game. We commiserate. We get together all the time. Um, he's just a great guy. And he's been honest with me. I remember I put up my second DVD and it was just not good. And he slid it across the table and said, my suggestion is don't release this. It's like, mm. it was, it was, he was absolutely right. Uh, it was just not good from the beginning. So there are mistakes along the way and things, uh, mistakes have been made, but it, 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 it was a very lonely occupation. When I started there just weren't that many, 
I'm considered a clean Christian comedian. There weren't that many what you'd call Christian comedians. I left the comedy scene as far as doing clubs back in the early 90s. And for me, it was a huge leap of faith that I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And I did not have any knowledge that I was going to make any money at all. And that's when I found my people. I found, oh, people who go to church just want to hear clean comedy. And so they want to hear, I mean, people from kids to grandparents parents. They all came to the same place. And I found I could really, because in the clubs, I wasn't developing material because they were just all single 20 somethings and they couldn't relate to me, a married guy with two kids at all. So Mm -hmm. when I left the club, started doing churches, that's when it really blossomed, but I had nobody. Uh, Mm -hmm. Shonda Pierce was doing it and I did a radio show and I played some of her clips. Mark Lowry was doing it. um, And Paul Aldrich was doing it and Ken Davis, and that's about where the list stops. That's mm-hmm. when CCA was formed, the Christian Comedy Association, and it was with the express purpose of lonely people on the road who are doing the same thing, get together and share experiences. So from that time, it's been very interesting to look at um, comedy with other supporters along the way. It's like you young kids, you've got people who are supporting <laughs> you. You've got people who are teaching you the craft. Um, but I, I did not have that coming up. So it was, um, and, and that loneliness has kind of um, stayed. It really hasn't left because when you hit a certain stage, people don't think they can support you. So, um, and by that, I mean, unless they're, uh, if they've been, haven't been doing it as long as you have, they feel insecure. I don't know what it is. So I do have some friends in stand-up comedy. I just got back from a writing lunch with Nazareth. Um, friends with Josh Novi before he moved away, still Paul Aldrich. I've got a writer's group that I, I get together with, but it's just very hard to support one another in um, finding gigs, you know? So I just see, oh, this comedian's got all these gigs and this comedian's got all those p- gigs. And, you know, I've been told by certain comedians, wow, you really influenced me. He says, oh, good, you've passed me and I have no gigs, but you are doing very well. <laughs> um, so, um, but to get to, to uh, what I'm guessing is going to be the tail end of your question about now, I, I got to the point recently where I said, you know what, God, you're going to have to take care of the money. I'm through worrying about it. I, I'm still going to work on my little plot of land. I'm going to work on my material. I'm going to hoe. I'm going to irrigate. I'm going to do what I can. And you're going to have to bring it in. And I'm just going to help other people. And it, it's not because I'm dying to be altruistic, but I know what it was like when I was coming mm. up. And I didn't have any help. So, um, I started teaching a comedy class about six months ago. Michelle mm-hmm. took that, and then I, yeah. but that people had to pay for because um, my my wife wouldn't let me do it for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I started doing okay. Let's do a writers' room and let's see who shows up. So about twenty people a week show up, and you guys have both been there, and it's just very short, eight minutes. Do your bit, and but it's like a, a, hopefully a positive open mics where you can try your material because there's no place to do mm-hmm. that. So I don't know how that's going to grow or what's going to happen, uh, but I've done enough teaching at CCA where people just really didn't grasp it or know what the purpose of the craft was. And I love the craft and mm-hmm. I want people that good enough never is. And if there's one lesson to learn, it's that never stop writing. I, I was at the, I did a, um, a fundraiser for Salvation Army last night mm-hmm. and 
I did I did well. I didn't bomb. I wrote some material for him, and I might be able to use it in the future. But there was one lady who was hilarious. She's been doing it about 30 years. Like, she's got some kick-butt comedy. Everything was just bam, 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 bam. Mm. I got up there, and there were a couple lines where it's like, oh, I'm rusty. I forgot that setup. Oh, I didn't quite do that the way I wanted it. So it's like, oh, in comparison, she was better. She was really, really good. And when you watch the pros, you go, okay, that's my competition. I have to be as good as that. And the only way you get it is by iron sharpening iron. And that's why you have to just keep working on your set, your craft, mm-hmm. the writing. Because mm-hmm. if there's a mediocre joke, get rid of it, write another one. So there. Yeah. That's my deal. Well, I had a, I had the opportunity um, recently to do a show. Uh, Michelle, I know you know that with, uh, with Robert and Paul Aldridge mm-hmm. uh, doesn't live real far from me in Kentucky. And so with Robert in town from California, Paul came and as you were talking about him, I was thinking about uh, as you were on stage and you were doing your set, you know, Paul had a notebook out and he was in the back and he was listening to, you know, because there was new material. I know you guys had discussed that you were going to try some new things. And then, you know, but there was Paul, like he was listening, he was enjoying, but he was also, uh, you know, brainstorming, writing and ready. And then when we had the dinner afterwards, he was you know, ready to go, Oh, okay. This is what I thought. And then you should, you know, and, and, uh, and you're right. Like when I started uh, this journey, it was extremely lonely. I had no idea. Well, there's not exactly a big comedy scene in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And, um, you know, I was just here writing and not knowing uh, what I was doing at all. And at that time, there, uh, another comedian of the CCA started this thing called Punchline in Pajamas, and people were writing comedy on the internet. And everybody for two years was like, That's crazy, weird. Nobody uses the internet for comedy. <laughs> and then all these years later, but that, but that's really how, uh, how I connected with you. And when I think about laugh support, I for sure think about you and the influence that you had on me. My very first church, uh, show that I ever did, you were the headliner. You said, Hey, you know, I'm going to be at this location and, and I could bounce down to Kentucky. And I remember Michelle, she was on that um, punchlines thing that night and immediately called me and she's like, did Robert G. Lee just say he'd do a show with you? You better make that happen. You make that happen right now, June Colson. Don't you let that pass you by. But what you said about, um, you were so intimidating to me. I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm a, you know, I'm, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done a church show. And, and I had seen you do, uh, you know, do what you do at the CCA and listen to you. And it was very intimidating. But what I remember most about that show was not like during the show, but it was after the show when we sat down um, by the pool and, you know, in my backyard and what I loved about it, Michelle, is Robert didn't go, you should do this different or you should have done that or, mm. <laughs> excuse me. He said, all right, Miss Producer, that was your first you know, time doing a show. How did you feel about it? What did mm. you think could have gone better? What did you enjoy about it? You know, and then he started giving me just these nuggets of wisdom, but didn't plow me over and say, Oh my gosh, why did you do, you know? And he allowed me to really um, step outside of myself for a second and process, you know, the things that were going on. So I can totally see, uh, I can totally see how you have that heart to invest in other people. And what about you, Michelle? I know you've had positive experiences, Robert, when we talk about you, man, it's, it's, it's just all good. Isn't it, Michelle? Well, what I'm hearing is um, 
just you're saying that Robert allowed you to process where I just like, no, June, don't do yeah. that. Like, it's nice <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> you have someone else going, you know, how do you feel about that? I'm like, mm-hmm. no, never. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can tell who's married to like a counselor, not me. Uh- <laughs> yes. Yes. That's what I was thinking. As you said, I thought, hmm, little something from that wife may have rubbed off on him there. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, what was the question? <laughs> Well, I know you were talking about just your experience and being able to observe Robert and then you've taken his writing course and stuff. So t- oh, yeah. t- tell us about that. Um, you know, you you used the word that you said that Robert was intimidating to you. And I think it's because he's really smart, like really, really smart. And I that I loved your um, I, Robert, I loved your uh, your writing course. But I got to be honest, it was so hard for me because I'm having the stage of my life right now. I am not paying attention like I should. And I know like one of your just, you just said, never stop writing. And so I keep writing, but I don't go back and edit. Mm. And that's, I know that that's a huge thing. And and I have to say, Robert, how did you hone down that skill of being able to not only write, but then edit your own material and not want to hold on to things that you think, but that's funny. But then, you know, like you, you just, you edit in such a manner that it's brilliant. So mm-hmm. how, how did you, how did you end up doing that? Well, June knows the phrase that I use a lot and it's called your vomit pass. And that's the, the, the first pass is just, you get it all out. Blah. You just, you mm-hmm. do it. And so that's a Hollywood term. And when I, I went to film school and film school, they said it is not the first draft. It is the second draft. It is, you you find it maybe after three or four drafts. So mm-hmm. I learned early on not to fall in love with my first draft because the idea is there, but maybe it's maybe it's another angle. Maybe there's something I haven't discovered. So it becomes actually a fun game after you've done it for a while that mm-hmm. the the excitement of finding what it's going to become is more exciting than holding on to this little nugget that I've just um, written down. So I also have a lot of, I would, it's not fear of the audience, but I respect the audience. And I know if I go up and bore them, they will ignore me. And so mm-hmm. I'm looking at it and go, okay, this has got to just be really funny. I've got to, I've got to just find a way to No, that could be shorter between there and there. And this, Oh, that, uh, I, and I've, I, you've heard this phrase like, well, you're in the neighborhood of a joke, but you haven't found the right street or, or driven up the driveway yet and knocked mm-hmm. on the door. You've got to have you tell me that all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> it has to be so precise. And it's after doing 30 years of doing it, looking at it and saying, well, you know what? This is just sort of weak. This is mediocre material. When an audience smiles at you, that to me is failure when they're going, uh huh, uh huh. Uh-huh. No, I, I want people to, you know, if I can, I would love people to wet their pants. I mean, that's really the goal of a comedian. It's like, you know, is it bladder-free comedy? Uh, if you don't hit that, then you, you've kind of failed. Um, so Kevin Hart is hilarious. And he just, he even acknowledges it takes two years to get his next CD ready because it is special because you've got to try out, you got to write it, you got to try it out, you got to yeah. do it. So with me, you, you ask how I do it. One is the craft. You learn the craft and you learn, oh, what could I do here? Could I exaggerate? Could I compare? Could I find? And so when we're on our comedy writing sessions, for me, it's instinctual now. And for a lot of the new 
up and coming comics, they go, oh, I should do a comparison contrast here. Oh, I should talk about where was the first time that when was this invented? Um, I remember just this last Tuesday, we were talking about that with, with one particular writer, Joey Savage. Um, so part of it is, I think it's time, experience, and just, yeah, the craft of it. Just eventually you get to that point where it's just, it's easier to edit than it is to get up and be disappointed in front of an audience. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I remember my first um, time I heard you, it was at one of the CCAs and you were doing a workshop and you said something that was just brilliant to me that I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. Put the punch at the end. Don't give the reveal <laughs> away. I'm like, oh, that's what it is. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, oh, thank and, you. And, it's just and it's the rhythm. You hear the rhythm. You go, wait a minute, you blew it. You 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 gave away your punchline. Why'd you do that? No, 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 save it. Save it here mm -hmm. until the end. You're, you're you're revealing something to the audience. Uh, so yeah. And it's amazing <laughs> when you're first starting off, it's just it, it that's why I teach the comedy class now and do these writing sessions because it can people say it takes seven years to find yourself as a stand-up comic. But if you have a mentor, someone who can show you the ropes and maybe show you a, a couple shortcuts. You can cut that down by a couple of years, and it's just all right. Why wouldn't you do that? So, I'm, I'm happy to do that, and it's fun to do it. Um, and I'm at the stage of my life where I know people are going to pass me, and they have already passed me. So I might as well just say, fine, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, do my little plot of land. I'm going to help as many people as I can. Hmm. Yeah, nice. I think too. Like um, we can also get like myself right now. It takes so long to get that material developed, but then I also find myself just like hanging in there with that piece and not, you know, like staying on that safety, you know, net where it's like, well, this is, this works, you know, and being afraid to sprinkle in something different because if, I almost think for me, each opportunity, it's like, you know, I don't, I'm not doing well when COVID hit and people are like, they were so rusty, you know, because they hadn't done a show in like six months. And I'm like, that's my regular schedule. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not rusty. This is normally how it is for me. But, you know, each time I, I do have that kind of fear of um, of stepping out and doing something different. But any opportunity I've had to, to write with you or or whatever, you you do spot that stuff so quick because we can be so close to our material. We don't realize, oh, oh, I just needed to flip that. That's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I didn't see that. And and for sure. um what you're doing now, it's the, uh, it's, it's a definition of laugh support. You're, mm -hmm. you're reaching out to comedians. It, what I've noticed in the writing group, it doesn't matter if that person is writing their joke for the first time, or it's someone like Michelle who's been writing, you know, for 10 years or so, like you treat, everybody feels we're on the same level in there. It's all just material that we're trying to work out with each other. And there's no like, Oh, it, there, it doesn't matter you know, who's in there. So do you think that that because of this experience that you had starting out, it, it's just driven you more and more to, to reach out to people like myself and, and to do these things for other people? I would say that's probably close to it. But the other side of it is probably that I'm extremely uh, critical. That's part of being a comedian. And when I watch a comedian, it's like, what? You're missing the obvious. It is that you talked about you're, you get so close to your material. It's that force for the trees. And mm -hmm. when I see somebody do the same joke two or three times, like you're not paying attention. You're hoping you're just hoping that joke is going to work. And it hasn't worked five times before and it's not going to work ever again. So 
part of the motivation is just just get better. If you get better, you'll make more money and you'll be happier and your set will be tighter and you'll get gigs. So that, um, it, yeah, the, the, the helping side is, I don't know where the motivation comes from other than I get real tired of just working on my stuff. So it, it's mm. nice to, yeah, if, if you don't give back when you get older, then you're just a selfish SOB and uh, what's the point? <laughs> So, so as far as like, if you think back to the beginning, you said, you know, you didn't have a lot of people to, to be supportive to you. Now, if you were talking to someone who is just starting out, is there a piece of advice that you go, man, I wish somebody would have just told me that right away. I, you know, I wish that, that this was something that was revealed to me before I had to learn the hard way. The, the best piece of advice I can give any up and coming stand-up comic is be human, be a person, mm. be a kind, considerate, nice person. Uh, I, I, humility is such an important thing. It's a weird thing doing comedy. You have to be cocky, but you also have to be humble because mm. the minute you start thinking you're bigger than the venue, they're going to, you're going to get shot down. And I got, I had years of being cocky thinking, Oh, I'm going to make this, I'm going to do this. And then God has a way of humbling you. I also had a friend early on in Hollywood. I was a guy last night, just happened to know him. We were talking about that experience, but um, he, he, he was my friend. We started off together. I helped write his material when he started doing warm up, And then he got to a certain point where he wouldn't even talk to me, me anymore. And his manager would call me up. And I said, oh, when you're in Hollywood or you become successful, you become what you always were. And he was always a selfish guy who didn't care about, mm. about about himself, but he couldn't show that until he got famous. And when he got famous, he didn't need me anymore. So I was pushed off to the side and it re he re revealed who he really was. Another friend says fame, drugs, all those things, they're just an accelerant, but they just show you mm. who you were all along. So Mm -mm. Yeah, try try to be a good person because it just makes it easier to work with. When I I worked in Hollywood long enough that you just come to see, oh, Ted Danson works all the time, Julia Louis Dreyfus works all the time because they're just really great people and people want mm -hmm. to work with them. Do you think people want to work with pe people that are a pain in the batuski? No, mm -hmm. those people don't get called back. So, the biggest mm -hmm. piece of advice is be be human, and the second piece of advice is. Don't settle for good enough because mm -hmm. the minute you think I got a half hour, I tell most comedians, if you think you have a half hour, I know you have a good, maybe 12 minutes. Yeah. You don't have a half hour um, because if you're going up against the big boys, big girls, you will pale in comparison. So if you stop, then you're going to just be, you'll be good enough forever and you'll never get anywhere. So yeah, just keep working, keep working. Mm -hmm. That's what I, I mean. It's it's kind of fun. It's a it's pain. It's a pain. It is, but it's also kind of fun. Like today, I I had two different groups um, that worked on uh, one a, a phone session and one a, a lunch, and I'll work on my material and I'll do a, just a ten minute set at a club on on Saturday, and then I'll do a, a tw thirty five minute set next week, and it's like all right, I've got to rewrite this, I've got to reorder, I've got to work it. So you'd think when I get to this stage, I could, I could coast. Nope. I'm working on my next CD and it's got to be better than anything I've done because I can see my career, how it went and where I'm, where it's weak is when I wasn't really working hard. And if you're working hard at your material, somehow people talk about it because they see you and go, Oh, you, that's all new stuff. That's great. That's really fun. And then yeah. 
that spurs something else. Uh, yeah. Anyway, there's an, there's an energy that goes along with it. Mm, that's really neat. Um, so during your career, have you, um, like traveled, you know, cause I know that you're based in, in California and you do all the Hollywood stuff like that, but do you do a lot of touring? And when you tour, do you bring along an opener or do you just take whatever's happening in that town? Yeah. I've never had um, the kind of name where I'd have an opener. Um, I, mm -hmm. I, I always tell my wife, I'm huge in small cities uh, because they can't afford the big comedian. So if I do a crisis pregnancy center or a small church, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, this guy works in Hollywood. And it's and it seems to go over better. Whereas the big cities, they go, we've got Shonda Pierce. We've got we've got really funny people. We got Hawkins coming through. So, no, I, I, I do tour. But the reason when I, I started doing the TV warm up was that it kept me in town. And I mm -hmm. had two kids and a marriage and I didn't want to be on the road with comedians that I didn't know in a condo for five days of the week. And I was like, that, that would have been death to me. I would have hated it. Some people really hone their chops that way. Mm. I owned ad libbing and being comfortable in front of an audience. That's what I did for 30 yeah. years. So I would work that on Tuesdays, sometimes Fridays, sometimes Thursdays, and then squeeze in a church or a crisis pregnancy center whenever I could. Uh, and that was great. Now, right now there's no TV production and gigs are coming back slowly. But I mean, as far as the ups and downs of a career, uh, mm -hmm. I pretty much abdicated my career and let it go because I worked in a church. I, I took a, a job as a the part-time drama director 20 years ago, and I stayed with that for 16 years. And it, I made some wow. great friends. That's where I did my movie. Uh, I just, mm -hmm. it was a wonderful time, but I also stepped out of doing those gigs. And when you do that, people forget who you are. So I'm now at the point where, oh, I have to reinvent myself. So there's a negative to it and there's a positive to it. The thing is mm -hmm. I'm, I'm reinvigorated. I'm not tired of stand-up anymore. I, I was really bored. That's one of the reasons I took this church job. It's like, it's just the same old, same old. But now it's, all right, this is great. This is my my last stretch for my career. It's writing books and doing stand-up. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm looking to get back on the road. And I'm, at, I'm that guy that all right, I'll drive down to San Diego. Okay, I'll fly out to New Mexico for one day. Okay, I'll go to Kingman, Arizona. Yeah, well, you, mm -hmm. you have a gig, I will go to it. Because humility is part of the school of hard knocks. And mm -hmm. you watch other people. You see what people like. You see what the young audiences want. And it's a learning experience. So I am definitely in the process of reinventing myself for the, the last phase of my career. And so that's so I'm doing videos on YouTube and I'm going on the road and I'm so I, I, I look up at God going, I, I'm doing the work. Uh, I don't know what you want. Uh, so, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, when you get on Facebook, which is the definition of envy, you see all these comedians yes. who's like, oh, my gosh, look at all their gigs. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Look at all those gigs. What do I have? I've got one there. Oh, I got one over there. I got, you know, so mm -hmm. that's fine. Um, well, if you want to pat it, you got to put in like, you know, you're having lunch with Nazareth or you're having, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, a phone yeah. call here or, you know, and just so, oh, so this should have been event. a gig. I should have put this down. As yes. You know. Yes. You should have. Yeah. And then you. Yeah. yeah it would have it would have been nice. It would have been nice because then you would have. Michelle throws more than me. <laughs> <laughs> but that I think um, you said you're reinventing yourself. So you have a dry bar coming out, correct? Right. Oh, it's it, out. It, it is out, but although I'm going to go back to them and say, you haven't released this, this, or this, oh, yes. and why don't you put it out? Because it's almost paid for. Because I can't do a second special until I pay off the first special. Because every time you make any money or a certain amount of views, you pay down the amount of money that you have to 
agree to. It costs like thirteen thousand dollars. That's the little secret of Dry Bar. Mm. Uh, but and so we had a good audience, but not a great audience. And I, I want to mm. go back. I want to wait for lightning to strike because when you get that great crowd, so I've got new material I, or an old material, I can combine it. So I'm really looking forward to another Dry Bar special because mm-hmm. it's it's good, but it's not great. And it was just one of those. Oh, too bad. So um, yeah, I had a little disappointment with that, which is just. Good grief! People who don't have a dry bar special, and here I am complaining about my first one. Yeah. Uh, but you see the yeah you know, the Jeff Allen specials and the and the Bob Smiley go. Okay, I really want to go back another time. So yeah, well, I I think it was really good. It was really good. It definitely um, our listeners need to check it out it's on Dry Bar. What's the name of this special? The your Dry Bar special. It's it's called Laughter Still Legal. So that's what the Laughter Still yeah, Legal. Like so it. people need to they need to be listening to it so we can get another one. And because if you don't think that's good, I can't imagine you know, what you're going to bring out there the next time, because I, I thought it was really well done. So well, it was pretty awesome. So before we let you go, uh, Michelle has Robert G. Lee.com. Mm-hmm. Also, Michelle, hold that book yep. back up. Tell us the name of uh, the book that you have out right now, Robert. Well, this is called what's the big idea. And it is the intersection of faith and science coming together. And I'm trying to use it. It's from a smart Alex perspective, trying to show, that maybe science and faith aren't that far apart in uh, their conclusions and uh, in, in all things. So it's um, it, it's kind of like a Dave Barry. If Dave Barry had a theology book, that's what this would be. So I, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I really enjoyed writing it. And God will do what God wants to do with it. Yeah, it's I I think it's excellent. I've re- I got to be a part of the process in in the beginning and read the original version and then bought, purchased the book, bought it for my mom. It's been huge in in her life and just it, it just blows it, it, it so much of it. Just literally, the cover is perfect for it. It blows your mind. It just blows your mind. Some of the yeah, things as a believer. So I can't imagine you know non believers getting a hold of this book because it's uh, it's fantastic. Boom. There it is. There's the there light bulb. But it looks like Michelle hasn't finished the entire thing. It looks like she's somewhere, somewhere in around the first chapter. I don't know where the. This is a little farther in than the first chapter. A little bit, you know. (laughs) It's it's because you know you're coming out. I'm like, let me move this from here to here. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, because what I what I love about your book is you have all these fun facts, and um, and wait, say that again. The podcast, uh, you froze. Oh, you have a bunch of fun. And you froze during a compliment. You can't. You can't. You got to repeat that. <laughs> yeah, whatever. you got to say it. You didn't freeze. He just wants to hear it again. It's excellent. <laughs> there are fun facts. It's a great Take read. Two. And uh, it's not. It's love. not written. It's even though Michelle is so tiny, it's not written over your head, right, Michelle? It's not written. No, that would be it's, easy it's, to it's do. So, it's no, easy. it's really a great book. I, you know, I heard you. I'm just going to ignore you right now. Um, <laughs> but thank you. June Coulson for saying it's over my head. I already said that Robert's um, class was way harder for me than others, but whatever. It's okay. It's okay. Um, but if I um, just go search out Robert G. Lee um, YouTube, you can find him on all the social medias, but if you go to his website, you'll find it there and all his videos and watch the dry bar special because you will be blessed. And if you're a comedian listening to this, and you need a mentor or you need someone, uh, a comedy coach, hit him up and pay him a bunch of money and he will make you a thousand times better than you are now. Just mm-hmm. going to put that out there. Mm-hmm. You are. Robert, is there anything before we let you go that anything else that you need to promote, anything you got coming up that you'd like to share with us? Uh, I, I am doing a new, I was, I'm, 
doing a video every single week on on my book, What's the Big Idea? Yeah. But I'm starting a new one on Fridays that'll be on uh, YouTube and Facebook and you know Twitter and uh, LinkedIn, all that. And it's just called Robert G. Lee Funny. And I, I said, you know what? Let's because we haven't been out for a long time. I just wanted to put out something funny every single week. And so it's some new, mostly new stand-up, but some old. And people said, well, why don't you just release some of your old tapes? They go, no, you don't understand. The the old tapes, I have a, a Bill Cosby sweater and a mullet. So you, you don't want to see that. <laughs> like, you know we what? do, though. But we you do. do have oh, that. Do. Oh. oh, no. Uh, so... But that's kind of fun. So every every Friday morning, I'll be releasing yeah new stand up comedy that I've been writing over that I'm getting ready for my next uh, CD, and it's just Robert G Lee funny. And um, I started off with the the wizard the updated Wizard of Oz last week, and then I'll just just keep building on that. So that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I, I I enjoy I just the, the creative process is just in me. I can't get away from it. So I just I like that. Awesome, awesome, Michelle. It's been a great interview with our friend Robert, hasn't it? Yes. Thank you so much, Robert G. Lee. Thank Robert you. Robert G. Lee. We appreciate you being on here, friends. That is it for this episode of Laugh Support. I'm June Colson with my friend. Oh, now do I say it? Michelle you Van say it Dusen. Now, Michelle. <laughs> Michelle Van Dusen. <laughs> Jesus and Junebug loves you. And this has been another episode of Laugh, Laugh Support. Support. Laugh Support. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> it's not ending. <laughs> I've clicked it. Oh. <laughs>